On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we recap the Harvard game finally back in action after uh, the time off. So, game a while ago, but we're going to recap it today. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. And on today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, we're going to be recapping the KU Harvard game. It happened last Thursday. We didn't have a uh, a live show Friday. We, we released something Friday that came out. Uh, on the day that was kind of going over KU football, but with the Christmas break and, and holiday season, whatever, uh, I've been off. So finally back now. So we're going to kind of recap that game. Tomorrow's show, we're going to look ahead to the Arkansas game in the Liberty Bowl with all the uh, crazy stuff that's happening down in Memphis with a lack of water. But sounds like the bowl game going to be okay. Knock on wood, I guess. Uh, but on today, yeah, we will recap the Harvard game and, and kind of take a pulse on where this team is at now headed into Big 12 play. So Kansas takes down Harvard 68 to 54 on Thursday. They move to 11 and 1 with Big 12 play starting next. They get Oklahoma State on Saturday for a day game on New Year's Eve and it's kind of a, a nice little start to Big 12 play for Kansas. Oklahoma State is a good enough team that that it wouldn't surprise you if they made the NCAA tournament but also you know, not one of the, the top-tier teams in the Big 12, and you get them at home to kind of open things up here. Uh, but certainly a sluggish game for KU in taking down Harvard. And it's interesting because the final score, you end up with a 14-point win, so it's hard to be like, well, 14-point win against a team who might end up winning the Ivy League. I, I know Fran Fraschello was talking a lot about how good he is this year, so maybe that won't be in the cards for Harvard. But uh, a team that could potentially you end up at looking at them and they're a you know a 13 seed and they upset a four seed or something in the NCAA tournament like that wouldn't be crazy anytime you're talking about any of the the top teams in the Ivy League let alone this Harvard team but you win by 14 it's a close game for most of the way through you never really could pull away until those final few minutes of the game when Jalen Wilson kind of takes over and up until then it just kind of lingered with the score being within, you know, a couple scores. Kansas might have ballooned it up to seven or eight points, and then Harvard would make it back to a three-point game. They led for a bunch of the first half to kind of win on that fun run at the end of the half, and then it felt like, oh, you're going to carry this over and blow them out in the second half, but that never ended up being the case. And the final score doesn't actually seem as close as maybe the game was played over the majority of it because, again, you win by 14, but most of that – was kind of played in tight quarters between the two teams. It was a two-possession game for a handful of the game and until, I don't know, five or six minutes left in the game. And also, you were expected to win the game by 21-22 points. So again, kind of a sluggish game in that regard in terms of, hey, you would expect them to win by this. They only won by this. We talked a lot about this for Thursday's show, though. It was the perfect opportunity for Kansas to have a kind of letdown game. You're coming off the big win over Indiana. You're done with finals week. You're looking ahead to your Christmas break or holiday break or seeing family, maybe leaving the next day. Maybe you're even worried about the weather. Am I going to be able to get out and leave and go see my family with everything that was happening late last week? And then you have the the look ahead of, of not just the holiday break, but then you have time off and then you're into Big 12 play. It's like, ah, oh, we're playing Harvard. And then 
you know, maybe it's not as great of a home court environment like it always is at Allen Fieldhouse, but maybe it's not one of the better ones with the weather and, and people not showing up maybe as much into the corners of the arena. So, again, like there are reasons to kind of point to and say, yeah, it would make sense that this would be kind of a, a possible letdown moment and, and game. And that wasn't surprising for me in any way. But I think um, when you look at things, to me, it kind of just all boils down to one thing that led to the score being even that close. And I think even if this was a closer game, I wouldn't really care, which it, it kind of was at points. Like the Southern Utah game was close. Kansas has moved on from that. It's the perfect kind of letdown spot. But what really led to this game being close, it wasn't a matter of KU playing so poorly. That was KU's fourth best, so they played 12 games, their fourth best two-point shooting game of the season. It was their third best non-turnover game of the season. Despite Harvard actually having one of the better effective field goal percentages that KU has given up on defense in a game this year, Harvard overall, when you tack in, like not getting a ton of offensive rebounds, maybe not uh, being able to you know, get to the free throw line a ton or uh, turning the ball over, Kansas actually had their third best defensive game by points allowed per possession of the season. If you're looking at top three, top four in all these different categories, all of those things would tell me that maybe it wasn't as sluggish as I remember it being and as I remember it on first watch and that there's a different reason for it being a close game. And then maybe also you could say that the last five to six minutes KU playing so well did cover some of those flaws to help make up for that. And the latter is is definitely likely that that did cover up for some of it. But even if it cover, didn't cover up for all of it, like it's not like it was going to be a horrible game before thing. I, I think it just boiled down to one thing. Kansas couldn't hit a three. They were four of 20 from three-point range, and that's why the game was close for a majority of the time. There were times when it might have been a six-point game, and if Kansas would have hit two more threes, and they were getting some open looks early, then all of a sudden it's a 12-point game. And those moments where it's like, man, are we going to get a stop or are they going to be able to cut it to a one-possession game? All of a sudden are, oh, are they going to keep it at 12 or are they going to cut it to single digits, right? It's a completely different situation. So if instead of going four of 20 from three, if Kansas ends up six of 20 from three, which to be clear would still be a solid amount below what they came. I mean, they came in shooting 37% from three. If they even go six of 20, right? Instead of four 20, you win by 20. If you go seven of 20, which would it'd be around like what your season average is, but still slightly below. They win that game by 23 and they even cover the spread. I know Fran Fraschello was mentioned on the broadcast, like this is the plan for Harvard and they're going to basically face guard Grady Dick and they're not going to let anybody else or they're going to let everybody else shoot threes and live with it. Okay, that's fine. And that's actually probably going to be a good strategy that other big 12 teams implore. But guess what? This team came in shooting 37% from three. This has not been a bad three-point shooting team. Harvard took a risk, and they got a little bit lucky with how Kansas poorly shot the ball. So maybe it's not even that Kansas, you know, had a sluggish game. Maybe it's just the threes weren't falling. And that happens from time to time because you shot well from two. You didn't get worked on the glass. You had low turnover numbers offensively. You only had 10 turnovers. You continue to create a good amount of steals and opposing turnovers. Again, they had the, the third lowest points per possession against your defense this season. It's kind of actually an okay game for Kansas. 
You just didn't hit shots. But overall, you take the win. You're happy with how things have gone in the non-con. You're 11-1 and through the non-con. Obviously, there's still the Kentucky game looming in January, but especially how things have gone since the Tennessee game in you responding. That could have been a fork in the road. That whole battle for Atlantis, even in the wins, things didn't, like, whether it was defensively or at times going through cold spells offensively, whether it was the Wisconsin game or the NC State game, you played a bunch of close games, and then you lost the Tennessee game. That could have really carried over, and it could have been a sign of, well, maybe this team's good, but it's not elite. They bounced back from them and showed that, yeah, this this looks like one of the elite teams in college basketball so far to this point in the season, and obviously you're very happy with, with where things are. It, it's funny how similar, in a lot of ways, this year's team is to last year's team at this point in time. Um, you had one loss in your whatever non-conference tournament or um, – I know obviously very different how it went down, like the Dayton loss, very different than the Tennessee loss, both in terms of the opponent and how you kind of lost the game. But you're talking about two teams who were being looked at as like a very good team at this point, but maybe not the very best team. And you, you've had some big blowout wins. You blow out Missouri. You have certain roster questions with last year's team. It was, well, what's going to be the role of Remy Martin with this year's team? It's, What's going to be the role of the backup center? You also did have some center questions last year, like Dave was kind of struggling through the non-con last year till he picked it up at the end of Big 12 play. And again, you have those center questions. So outside of KJ, who's, who's played very well, uh, the playing style is so different with this year's team. But in terms of where they're at at this point in time, it's actually kind of similar to where they were a season ago. All right, in just a second, we're going to get on to our goats of the game. But first, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's super easy to go on the LinkedIn website or the LinkedIn app as just somebody who, you know, posts stuff about what's going on with their job and, and see what jobs are hiring and, and people are posting about, which is going to mean you're going to get more people applying to your job because it's easy for people to see and get through. And it's super easy for you to create the job posting as well. Add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. You want to finish the year off strong? Do it by getting your you know, good hire out there so that you have a great hire for the entire 2023 year. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college. Post your job free terms and conditions apply. Ghosts of the game for Kansas. Good goat. Jalen Wilson. And I thought about making this instead of just Jalen Wilson on the good goats, making it Jalen Wilson the last like five minutes. Bill Self talked about in the post game that, yeah, the last five minutes he looked like an All-American, that he was a little frustrated with him for the first 35 minutes or so of the game, but he took over down the stretch. And, and that's what you want from your kind of leader All-American type players. Um, 
and now I, I could have also made this uh, like the caveat Jalen Wilson outside of shooting threes, and it would be even better because he just had kind of a poor three point shooting game, kind of a microcosm for KU. He had 21 points, six rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block, filling up the stat sheet, doing it all, continues to kind of add to his great season so far. Um, he, he struggled shooting the ball against Indiana, goes four of 18. What a bounce back performance here. He goes 10 of 17 against Harvard. And again, if you take away the threes, he went nine for 11 on two point shots against Harvard. So if he hits, you know, one more three at that point, instead of going one of six, if he goes two of six, then it's an even better game. And, and again, then we talk about KU being up by even more at that point. Uh, but it's kind of funny because he was the inverse of Grady Dick. Grady Dick went three of seven from three. And 0 of 4 from 2. Jalen went 9 of 11 from 2, 1 of 6 from 3. I guess if you add the duo up, though, it works out. You get 9 of 15 from 2. You get 4 of 13 from 3. The 3 is still a little bit lower than you like. But, you know, those numbers work out a lot better when you just combine the duo of what they ended up doing. Uh, but you also had the accomplishment for Jalen where he surpassed the 1,000 career point mark. And uh, certainly more points planned to be scored for Jalen this season. But, yeah, when you really needed him down the stretch, he really took over for you. Kind of reminded me of the Southern Utah game in that regard. Like, kind of a sluggish game against an opponent you're not expected to do so against. And then Jalen just, like, keeps pushing down the stretch and keeps getting those tough buckets for you to make sure you come out on top and avoid that big upset loss. Uh, K.J. Adams' stat stuffing gets a good goat of the week. He had 10 points, 7 rebounds, 4 steals, 2 blocks, and an assist just filling up the stat sheet all the way through for K.J. Adams. No really other center, which we'll get to this here uh, in a second, stepped up and, and like you didn't have a carryover game from Zuby after the Indiana game. K.J. continues to just be your most consistent option there, which that's important for Bill Self, consistency, and continues to, I guess, further entrench himself that he is the guy as the starting center for you and it's not just that he is, I think, entrenched himself. Like, I would be surprised at this point if KJ wasn't your starting center the rest of the season. But it's also the fact that he seems to be even further distancing himself in terms of how many minutes he is going to get for the rest of the year. Beauty of KJ Adams, though, being kind of a wing type, you can get away with playing him 30-plus minutes a game if you have to in a specific game because he is more conditioned to play that way than maybe a traditional big who is more of a lurking big man who maybe can only play 20, 25 minutes a game. Kevin McCuller, good goat of the game, 14 points, 11 rebounds, another double-double for him. He also had three steals, two blocks, and two assists, so also filled up the stat sheet a little bit. I mean, just I have to continue to kind of sing his praises on the defensive side of the ball. He He's just never out of a play. Like, you see a couple plays where he like comes from behind and, and gets a block after it's like, oh, maybe the guy beat him on a cut or just kind of powered by him, but he, he comes up with a block. Or, you know, somebody's driving right into him and it's like, oh, he's going to get an easy layup. Or, or he has a big man matched up on him where it's like, ah, I don't know, that might be a mismatch. And he just strips the ball away. He is never out of a play. He is so crafty defensively. He is so good with his hands. So unbelievably great. And again, the offense and the rebounding continue for him as part of this nice stretch. That just happened in December since he came back from the groin injury. On to the bad goats for the game, the three-point shooting. We talked about this. KU just four of 20 from three-point range. If you take out Grady Dick, who actually did have a good three-point shooting game at three of seven, KU went just one of 13 on three-point shots besides Grady Dick. 
on one hand, you could say, well, that's worrisome if we go back to the preseason expectations about, man, I don't know, do they have enough three-point shooting besides Grady Dick? But I think to this point, they actually have shot it pretty well, even outside of Grady Dick, who certainly has, has raised those percentages a lot for you. There's just kind of a bad three-point shooting game for everyone. You just hope it's not a, a reversion thing coming for players like Jalen Wilson and Kevin Kohler, who career-wise or maybe last year haven't been the greatest three-point shooters but have shot it better so far this season. Maybe it's the reversion to the mean. Maybe it's the start of a bad stretch. Maybe it's just one bad game. That's where I would kind of lean. But either way, that was a bad goat for the game. Uh, Dewan Harris gets a bad goat here. Now, hear me out, because Dewan still overall impacts the game so much, and I love Dewan, and he's arguably the most valuable player on the team, whether you think Jalen's the best or the valuable, whatever we had the conversation about a week ago. Four points, four assists for Dewan Harris. He still had some awesome defensive plays to help that especially in that that nice first half run that KU had to finish the first half. Um, he made some big defensive plays there, hustle plays. So it wasn't all bad. And, and I'm not putting it here um, to say that anything bad is happening. Here is why Dewan is on bad goat. This is now becoming a bit of a trend of him getting in foul trouble early. So maybe I should just rephrase this to Dewan Harris foul trouble on bad goats. But again, he only had four points, four assists, which... We're used to seeing again. Dewan's not like a you know super high lofty stack guy to begin with, but we've been seeing closer to eight to ten points, six to ten assists per game. But the foul trouble has been the real problem. And again, so if we want to just say Dewan Harris foul trouble, that's what's on here. It is a super tight fine line for him with being a pesky defender, being someone who tries to get steals, tries to poke the ball loose, and also tries to take a lot of charges. Is a fine line between that and trying to avoid fouls. So I get it, but Tennessee game, fouls out in like 18 minutes. Indiana game gets in foul trouble. This game, he gets in foul trouble early. There have been a couple other games this year where that's been the case, where maybe he's picked up a couple quick fouls or, or picked up his third early on in the second half. I think the NC State game, he got in foul trouble too. Um, that's a bit problematic for you because we talk about how valuable Dwan Harris is. And things just run so much more smoothly offensively. Your defense is obviously a lot better when he is out on the floor. That scares you in a possible one-game elimination the most in the NCAA tournament. You can envision it now. Kansas is in a second-round game, and Dewan Harris gets two early fouls in the first four minutes. and Things don't look the same, and you get a big halftime deficit, and you have to try to bounce back. This, right? Like that. That's the type of story that that would lead to. So that's a little scary. Um Overall, you still want Dewan playing how he plays because that can be so valuable, but it is such a fine line, and he is such an elite point guard in college basketball that with the way that he has consistently improved his game, it would not surprise anyone if he fixed that trend that's kind of emerged with this foul trouble, if that became something that he really worked on and, and got better down the stretch here after seeing some of these games. But that certainly is a little bit worrisome that this is becoming more and more of a thing. Last bad goat, the KU bench centers. KJ played well, but nobody else really established anything. Zuby, Ernest Uday, Zach Clements, they combined for nine minutes, zero points, 0 for 2 shooting, three rebounds. They did have two blocks, which is possible, but the biggest disappointment there is that Zuby Edgefer, who had the nice game against Indiana, it was, can he carry it over? Can it become a trend where he is starting to lock down those backup big minutes? And didn't really happen. You didn't really get any rhythm with any of those backup centers, which certainly 
has been a theme so far this season. All right, in just a second, we're going to finish up with uh, some new KU football additions because they made some late in the week last week. We'll get to those in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks brought to you by NHTSA. You're hanging out with some friends, putting a few drinks back. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. But nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe, and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, things up here with uh, some KU football stuff. The Jayhawk football team tacking on a couple uh, pickups, couple from high school and, and one more transfer pickup, which they go back to the well in the pipeline. That is the uh, Minnesota Golden Gophers. The high school commits, they get Grady Seifert. He's a 6'2", 275-pound defensive lineman from Beloit in Kansas. And Dylan Mong, who is a 6'6", 215-pound tight end from Shawnee Mission East. So certainly someone who you figure will, yeah, he can develop, redshirt maybe, sit in the program for a few years. And then um, after those few years, you know, you get the the weight up to 235, 240, 250, something like that. Got a big body and, and certainly a lot of potential with Seifert. You know, you, you bring someone in. You love adding the local kids from the state of Kansas, which you're doing there. I don't know if both those guys are on scholarship or if they're preferred walk-ons. You know, we, we've seen that before. But either way, those are nice pickups. Uh, the big news one, though, Austin Booker, Jim Panagos, the defensive line coach for, for Kansas, or I guess uh, – you know, uh, defensive tackle coach, whatever. He he was the main recruiter here. He is just doing absolutely wonders in the transfer portal right now. Booker is a defensive end from Minnesota. He redshirted in 2021 after he came in as a three-star recruit nationally. He was top 600 recruit nationally. Played just 23 snaps in three games this past season in 2022. That'll make him a redshirt sophomore in 2023 with three years left to play so you go back to the well of getting another kid who has multiple years left which is always nice because a if it takes him more time to adjust to the scheme or b if it doesn't work out in year one you know you still have more years ahead of you and if it does work out it's even better because then you still have years ahead of you but uh six foot six 240 pounds he's someone who is seen as having very high potential from a lot of different you know scouting recruiting people that that you trust and this is uh, from our Minnesota guy with Locked on Jayhawks. Booker is a true edge, freak talent and athlete, has great bend and a quick spin move. I was kind of shocked he didn't get more time in Minnesota because he was popping off in the spring and even some of fall camp prior to a short injury. So it sounds like he was actually possibly going to get even more playing time on what ended up being a good Minnesota team, but just kind of an unfortunate timed injury. Like, think to Jalen Daniels, not this past season, the year before, right? Jalen was competing for the quarterback job with Jason Bean and Miles Kendrick at the time. And then Jalen had the injury in fall camp, ended up not starting until the end of the year. But then when he came in, he was a good player. That could have been what happened for Austin Booker this past season. So as far as the individual role, I would expect he competes for a starting job. Um, I wouldn't expect him to start. I would expect him to be at least some sort of a rotational defensive end. 
know, how much she plays on the scale of rotating a little bit in there to being the primary backup off the bench. That remains to be seen. Uh, I just kind of expect with, you know, Jeremy Robinson and Lonnie Phelps expected back in the toe for next year. Like I expect those two as the starters, but Booker could be a rotational guy behind them. We know KU likes to rotate a lot of their D line depth. And then Phelps would be in his final season next year. I think Robinson can have two more years, but you would be hoping that by 2024, so after a rotational player in 2023, who again, still would get a lot of snaps based on how KU plays, 2024, he becomes a possible starter and a possible breakout star for you for the next two years at that point, 2024 and 2025. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Jayhawks. We are going to preview the KU Arkansas game on tomorrow's show ahead of the Liberty Bowl. If you want to for uh, the show to talk about anything, hit us up at D Johnson Raid on Twitter, or you can uh, hit us up in the comment section on our YouTube page. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you're getting any of your podcasts or on YouTube. Uh, you can also hear me later today on Rock Chalk Sports Talk from three to six on KLWN and Lawrence. Have a great rest. Talk to you on tomorrow's edition of LOJ.